0: Hey friends, Mike Myers here with the Song for Guitar podcast, episode number 24, Bryce Drew. About a year ago, I was watching this pure mix tutorial with legendary producer Greg Wells, and he was working on a song called Lucky Number with an artist, Bryce Drew, and it was so good. Her voice, the process, it was so interesting that that caused me to go to Spotify. I listened to her other songs, Love Life in 21. It caused me to think, man, Bryce seems super chill and easy to talk to. I should have her on the podcast. And in this episode, you're gonna discover she's super chill and easy to talk to, but her songwriting is fantastic. And we're gonna talk about her process, how she got started, what inspires her, how she gets creative, and the songs that she's working on right now with Greg. So we're gonna jump into it. Episode number 24, Bryce Drew. You know, I wanna get into your work, your songwriting, your work with Greg Wells, but I really want to go to the start because when I look at your bio, it says, I don't remember life before music.
1: <laughs>
0: Has music been just part of you?
1: Yeah, always. I mean, I didn't start writing music until I was 16, but I've been singing my whole life. But even at that turning point, when I wrote my first song, like it is very hard for me To think of the person that I was before I was doing that is so hard. I was like, who was I? And did I even exist? (laughs) Like, Were you
0: a person, especially like pre, pre, let's say pre songwriting, pre guitar, Mm -hmm. like, you know, trying a little bit of this, trying a little bit of that, going back and forth, like different activities. And it's like nothing really, Uh nothing really grabbing you.
1: Yeah. I did hip hop dancing. (laughs) (laughs) And I quit the team the day before the recital. I (laughs) played soccer. I was goalie. Also didn't work out that well. Did gymnastics, horseback riding. Uh (laughs) Well, shit, you you, tried. That's (laughs) a jump right there. So many... And- I mean for for the gymnastics talent show. There's a video of this on my Instagram. But when I was like 6 years old, there was a talent show for gymnastics and everybody was doing all these tumbling routines and I decided to sing Nora Jones in the middle <sighs> of the floor while my friend did like back handsprings behind me to Nora Jones. Like that that should say it genuinely. <laughs>
0: <laughs> now when now if we just pick apart that when you were, you know, that song in particular, Nora Jones, what, mm-hmm. did you have images in your head, even when you were doing these activities of you singing songs and doing that thing, even though maybe you didn't know what that thing was or how to label it, you just allowed your imagination to go there?
1: Always. Always. I mean, yeah. Well, I I was really lucky with the fact that my parents have always been really, really supportive of My brother and I just doing whatever we believe we want to do and it being possible like they never called me crazy (laughs) (laughs) I mean they knew I was a singer before I think I knew that it was possible to be a singer for real (laughs) Um, but yeah I mean I have memories of like anytime I would buy an album of playing it and pretending I was that artist and singing in the mirror and just trying to imagine that being my reality.
0: but isn't that interesting? because I feel like I hear a lot of stories I did the same thing. like mm-hmm. you know, the idea that you're even when you don't know the technique or the thing behind it, the the sort of imagining doing it
1: mm-hmm. is almost
0: like bringing it slowly into to being
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I totally believe in in manifesting in that way. It's like you're deciding who who you are and the things that give you life. And I mean, we could get, you know, I, when
0: I think of what you're talking right there, I think Mm -hmm. of Elizabeth Gilbert. She talks a lot about this.
1: I love her so much.
0: We can just talk about Elizabeth Uh, Gilbert (laughs) and how I I think half the time when people ask me about books, I'm always talking about, you need to read big magic. Can you just read big magic, please? Let's talk after you read big magic.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's a life changer. (laughs) For sure,
0: I feel it. For me, it was a game changer, and putting the burden off of myself of Mm -hmm. trying to, but allowing the creativity and to write and the songwriting and production to not feel like it had to be forced. The allowing it, I was allowing it to come into being that it already existed. I was Mm -hmm. just giving it life.
1: Yeah, you're just the vessel. Mm -hmm. Oh,
0: now you were imagining and you were pretending and you stopped in the middle of your gymnastics to be like, mm-hmm. I just want to sing Nora Jones to you guys right now. Mm-hmm. At what, what was the turning point where it was like, okay, you need to, did it start with guitar?
1: I got a guitar for my 15th birthday because my, my brother played guitar. Mm-hmm. He's more of like a jam jam band kind of thing. But I was like, I'm the singer in this family. Why are you the one playing guitar? <laughs> Like you don't take it seriously enough to play guitar. (laughs) So I got a guitar for my 15th birthday and I tried to play and I felt like my fingers were just going to fall off. So I, I didn't play it for a year and the guitar sat under my bed. And then I, when I was about, when I was 16, it was a huge turning point in my life with just a lot of people in my family and close family friends, um, just dealing with loss and I turned to playing guitar and writing to cope with that. So that's when, Mm. that was when I realized that it was such a big part of my life um, and what really drew me into the process. That was it for me. My first song I wrote actually for my grandmother when I was dealing with her suffering from Alzheimer's and I used to go play for her. Mm -hmm. So. There was just kind of a a miraculous moment when one day my whole family was, um, we all got called to come and say goodbye to her. And my goodbye, I I went, I brought my guitar last minute and I played for her. And she came back to consciousness and stayed alive for another six months. So after that, I was like, "I, I need to do this.
0: That is an incredible story. Yeah. I think that's the power, just with that, the power of music.
1: Exactly, yeah. It was like there's no other – I had never seen anything like that before, you know?
0: When I think of you starting out guitar, it it was, oh, I'm going to learn guitar. But when you actually picked it up, there was Mm -hmm. such a purpose and a reason. And I feel when – people pick up an instrument at first, there's not always that connection. It seems a very rudimentary kind of like, I'm gonna learn the technique of it. Mm -hmm. But the practice and the connection that seems to have started right away because you viewed it as a vessel to convey and the feelings and emotions because that's what songwriting is. That's what your story, uh, uh, and that's your story at the beginning is remarkable because that's so powerful.
1: Thank you. I mean, it is pretty crazy for me to think back because now 16 feels really young for me. And I'm like, oh, that was happening. And that's how I started. But I also think that at the time, I was really inspired by the artists I was inspired by back then. They like I was covering I was learning covers of like Adele and Brandi Carlisle And it was all heavy hearted confessional music, you know. So mm-hmm. that's why I think because I learned music that was like that from the beginning. And then I had that story happening. It was like that's that was where I felt the calling, you know?
0: And as your, as your songwriting kept on going and progressing, mm-hmm. did you always view it as this is a thing I do or did you view it as like, I think I can do this for a living, this thing right here, songwriting?
1: Yeah, I mean, I viewed it as this is what my whole life is gonna go towards. Like, I there's no other option. I, Like I said, I was really lucky that my family and the people around me made that seem, I mean, it still seems a little crazy, <laughs> but I have the team around me and the support that like calmed down the delirium a little bit. <laughs> uh, and I also think, cause I ended up going to university in Nashville where I saw people doing it for a living everywhere, you know, at all levels, at all levels, not necessarily in front of the camera or on, on the record, but just even them being a songwriter, it was, it was a game changer to go from playing songs in my bedroom at 16 in Miami, where there really were not many people that were singer songwriters to go from that scene to Nashville, where every single person you meet is a songwriter. <laughs> I was like, okay, there's a world for this, you know? Now, when
0: you went to college in Nashville, mm-hmm. was it for songwriting?
1: Yeah. So I was a songwriting major and a music business minor.
0: Did you go to Belmont? Yes. Yeah, I was going to say I was, that that would probably be the place to go. Mm-hmm. Um, then do you know Judy Stakey by chance?
1: Just by association she's really, association um, yeah <laughs> she, she's she mentored a lot of my friends and is close with with my mentor Jody Marr and with Greg as well
0: yeah Judy is awesome I, I was like I think she has one of her books at the beginning mm-hmm. is uh it when you're a freshman I think she was saying is one of the books that she has they have freshmen read and she does occasional critiques for songwriters at Belmont but
1: yeah
0: how was that shift from going to college and viewing songwriting it was one thing you were actively practicing it how did it feel to go to school to learn songwriting
1: it was amazing well first of all I felt like I knew nothing (laughs) (laughs) I still kind of do I mean I mean you, you go to a school like that and starting to write songs at 16 is late like everybody in my class had been writing since they were like nine. And it, you know, so I was like, yeah, I've been playing guitar for two years and I got into university with the only three songs I had ever written. And <laughs> I honestly just, I felt like, I mean, a lot of people will t- say, like, yeah, go to school for it. Some people will say, you don't need that. For me, coming from having only written a few songs and not really ever co-writing with anybody or studying songwriters out of my the circle that I love, you know, it was really good for me to to write with people out of my genre, to see that whole world and be exposed to it and not dive into it blindly. You know, if I had just moved to Nashville and never had written with anybody else or never had known the business behind the songwriting and and the etiquette that happens in a in a writing session i think it would have been a lot harder for me to assimilate
0: no that that totally makes sense what were some of your big takeaways that you you slowly implement into your writing or or guitar playing or just etiquette when you say etiquette some people may be like well wh- what is songwriting etiquette
1: hmm well i think it's just like It's keeping everything kind of equal in the room, hearing everybody out, like not dominating the session, which can sometimes be frustrating (laughs) Um, when you're in a room with somebody who doesn't want to hear any ideas or will say that they came up with everything. It's like things like learning how to not do that, how to not do that and be aware of it when you are doing that. It's that kind of stuff. And also, I think in Nashville, it's like I was taught so er early early on, like, about equal splits in the session. And, you know, I mean, I think preparing for sessions, too. Like, we had all of these exercises of, like, every week would we would come in with, like, a list of all of these titles and ideas or things we heard from other people that we were told to keep on our phone. Mm-hmm. And it was, like, training to, like, always have this bank that you don't know is going to instill an idea. I mean, we would have... I would never forget my freshman songwriting class. He like took the first ten minutes out of the class to be like, go on Twitter and scroll through for ten minutes and write down all of the song ideas you can see. And it was so eye opening for me because it's like sometimes I wake up and I'm like, I'm not inspired. But I mean, if you really want to be, there are places where you can find things, you know.
0: At this point, your guitar playing, how would you say that was transforming?
1: Uh, Really quickly, since I started playing, I was really because I felt late to the game. (laughs) Even though anybody who's like in their twenties and starting to play guitar, you're not late to the game. Pick up the damn guitar, not at all. Pick it up. Don't ever believe you're late to the game. But I was very like, I'm gonna like keep up with everybody else, you know. And it was the it was also the era of of YouTube musicians and. I was just like watching all of these singers, songwriters my age, smashing guitar and songwriting, you know, and I was just like, I have to get better than like, being really out of time. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't have a social life. And I just played the guitar any moment that I could. Even in, I mean, in high school, I went to a arts high school. So I was in my whole life I was in choir magnet in middle school and high school studying like classical, classical music. And I would have school from, I mean I would leave for school at six thirty in the morning and then I would go straight from school, which ended at two, to rehearsal until 10 PM. <laughs> God damn. <laughs> so, I mean, I look back on it like I was some crazy kid because <laughs> that means that I had to learn guitar after 10 p.m. after the longest day of my life or I so clearly remember setting an alarm to wake up at 4 in the morning so that I can play before I go to school because I also had to like leave time to do my homework.
0: Yeah.
1: So I mean I think that my guitar playing I was just like so I was like, I'm going to do this and I'm going to like put any time that I can into this, you know, and that paid off. I I can't. I mean, I don't know how the hell I did that. That's just like.
0: It's because you found time. It's almost like the myth when people say, oh, there's no time. Mm-hmm. You were like, no, 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 no. I can find time. I'm going to make time. yeah. And probably how, definitely, as you said, your guitar skills got better and better is simply because sometimes people think, oh, do I need to learn this technique? Do I need to do this? Do I knew this? Yeah, there's some things, but really it's just making time for it. Like a big steroid boost practice never does that. Like, you know, if somebody says, I did an hour today and that's Mm -hmm. all I played this week, it's like, that doesn't do anything. But if you said, listen, I found 20 minutes yesterday, I found 20 minutes today. And if you're consistent with it, that's where the technique shows up more and more because you're making the time.
1: Exactly. Exactly. I mean, I also, I I started learning guitar by covering other songs, which I think is the best way to learn. And I ended up, my choir teacher saw me playing and was like, I know a really great guy who can like help you with your guitar and introduced me to a great guitar teacher in Miami just at the second half of my senior year of high school. So not for that long, but the minute that he saw me playing, I really respect this about him. Um, he was like, he's like, you don't play like a traditional guitarist. You clearly like didn't sit there and learn all the scales and like your technique is not, doesn't look taught. And he didn't want to change that. So he was just like, keep doing, what you're doing, find the songs that you love and you wanna figure out how to how to use that technique and and I'll help you get that and get the shapes. But like he he was really careful to not confine me to a taught way.
0: I love teachers like that. I had a teacher like that. When I mm-hmm. teach, I, I wanna do the same thing. It's your job is not to force the person into a specific mold and be like, this is what it is. And there you go. You can play a solo. But they look in, they go, okay, what do you want to do with it? I like Mm -hmm. what you've got going here. And then they give little tips and tricks. But really their goal is to just make better what you already have and what you're trying to do with it. And I agree with you. Learning songs, Mm -hmm. other people's songs is the best window into the instrument. And just for songwriting too, because I think.
1: You can feel the flow of everything.
0: I rewrote "When I Come Around" maybe like uh, forty-five million times, and I didn't mm-hmm. care. I just, <laughs> I just enjoyed being like, "Yeah, I wrote a song." Oh, it's like "When I Come Around." That's okay. I'll do another one, and it's just, <laughs> I'm just gonna keep going. Yeah. Now you go to college, you mm-hmm. it for songwriting, and how did you wind up meeting Craig Wells? And people may may know who he is and may not know, but a very very well-known producer, and I would say he's like a Swiss Army knife when it comes to hmm. instrumentation and production. He he's just, but very humble and just just amazing at what he does. He doesn't worry about like I've got to follow this trend, this trend. He was like, I'm just gonna do it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, Greg was a total godsend for me, um, and he is all of the things that you're talking about. Very very caring and appreciative and encouraging. He's also the most honest dude I know. <laughs> <laughs> In harsh and great ways. <laughs> and it's all love, but yeah, he's so freaking talented and can play everything and he also like my like my guitar teacher, like he didn't want to touch what I was doing. He just wanted to enhance it. So that was am- amazing to find. How did you find great? How did you wind yeah. up,
0: you know, um connecting?
1: So, funny story. Uh, Well, first of all, I kind of feel, I say this a bit, but I feel like I am a product of a lot of the songs that Greg actually worked on, like I grew up on the music he did. Mm
0: -hmm. So
1: it's kind of weird to like now be in his studio and be like, oh, I guess this makes a lot of sense. (laughs) But um, he actually came to speak at my school my third year, I graduated in three years. So my junior slash senior year, he came to speak at my school and I went, he had, he had produced a song for a friend of mine, Lauren Aquilina. And I messaged her and was like, hey, like, don't you know this guy? And she was like, uh, yeah, you should definitely go to that. <laughs> and I was just sitting there watching him. He was being interviewed by Jody Marr who worked on the Mika record with him. They had done Grace Kelly together. And I mean, I was so inspired by his speech, by his conversation with her, that I emailed the songwriting department the next morning. And I was like, this is the reason I came to this school. Uh, That just changed my life. I think for me, it was like, Belmont is amazing, but every convo they call them, every like event where they Mm -hmm. had somebody come speak was always country music. It was always country songwriting, country publishers, country. And I was like, I I appreciate country music and the songwriting, but like I'm not in Nashville to go down Music Row and get a Tim McGraw cut. I mean, I wouldn't be mad about that, but that's not like I'm an artist, you know, and I'm not a country artist. I would be lying if I said that. So it was huge for me to have Greg and J Hart was there too, to have them They're talking about pop music and pop artistry and and Greg talking about Adele and One Republic and Katy Perry as the people he's worked with, me being like, oh, holy you know, like (laughs) nobody's sat in front of me and been like, yeah, this is what my everyday is like, you know? Mm -hmm. It was very inspiring. But the thing is, like, it was also inspiring because he was so humble about it and so like, hey, this could be anybody in this room if you're really hardworking. And you have that drive and you have that talent and that like thing inside of you that won't let you let it go. And so, I mean, I felt super changed after watching him speak. And I went and said something to him after. But, you know, there were like a million students doing the same thing because it's like a whole auditorium of kids being like, that was nuts. But uh, after I sent that email, they ended up making Jody um, my mentor for my mm-hmm. final semester in college. So I would go meet up with her like once a week and play her like my most recent song and she would tear it apart for me and <laughs> just push me to be a way better songwriter. And eventually after I graduated, I was on a writing trip out to LA and Jody sent an email telling Greg that I was in town and he told me to come by his studio the next morning and i was like oh okay okay yeah sure (laughs) totally casual totally fine but it was just supposed to be a coffee like it was like a one-line email that was like rice drew was in town i really believe in her if you have time for a coffee that was it and i went to his studio to rock a carousel in in culver city Mm -hmm. which is amazing i mean like i said like he had like plaques of records by my heroes on the wall (laughs) you're like i know
0: that record i know that one and i I waited
1: waited for a long time he was working on a record and i went in to have coffee and we went from talking about how i started music like exactly what we were just talking about to being like he being greg being amazing (laughs) he just looked at me at 30 minutes in and was like hi why are you here (laughs) (laughs) and i was just like i was like "Uh." that sinking (laughs) feeling of
0: um i was
1: like is this my shot and it was my shot and i took it and i ran and i was like i'm here because i think that we like we keep i keep hearing your name and you keep coming up and i feel like we would make really great music together (laughs) And he was like, Oh, wow. Like, that would mean that I would probably need to hear something before (laughs) I respond to this. (laughs) Because he had never, I had never played him anything. And I was just like, I want to make music with you. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, from there, I just ended up, he asked me if I had like a link to something or if I wanted to play live. And I was like, No, I want to play live for you. Which I had decided if I had that chance to play him anything before i went to see him i was like i'm gonna i'm gonna play it live because i know he's a producer and to hear a song without any production is probably stronger and he, uh-huh. it's a, also just like a more intimate i'm there i might as well i also know that that's like my strong my strong suit is just when i'm with my guitar you know so i ended up well he was like i will never forget he was like well you didn't bring a guitar <laughs> <laughs> you're like, well, you got one by chance? Yeah, it's like I There's kind of figured couple. you would have one. And it seemed a little forward to like come to a coffee with a guitar on my back. <laughs> but it was great. I mean, I played 21 for him first. And he immediately was like, a lot of people need to hear this. And I, I played Love Life that day and another song. And he was just like, we're going to make a record together.
0: That also is some of Elizabeth Gilbert shit right there. You saw the name pop up over and over and over again. And yeah. some people would be like, oh, that's coincidence. That's a thing that's just happening. And there are other people that go, No. Mm-hmm. There's some there's a reason. It's almost like the universe dropping little hints for you to be like, keep going, keep going. Yeah. And then you're just following those little road signs until you are there in the studio. <laughs> Exactly. Just being like, well, if I'm going to play you stuff, I need a guitar, Greg. Can I just borrow? <laughs> <one?"> <laughs> that is that is wild. And I discovered you because I got a subscription to Pure Mix, and I was like, mm-hmm. oh, I was like, watch, watch, Greg Wells, and you know, write a song from beginning. I'm like, yeah, I do want to see the entire process. And I watch you guys, write, you know, write a song, you know, mm-hmm. the one that you brought to him, the production being built. That's wild to watch, you know, and it's probably even more wild to to be a part of and
1: mm-hmm.
0: work with them in that process of conception, and you know, rewriting to recording the song.
1: I mean, I'm so glad that you <laughs> you watch that you've you've seen my process. <laughs> I
0: have, crazy. but it was it was it was wonderful because what you were talking about earlier, etiquette, that sort mm-hmm. of give and take, that back and forth. There was such a flow between you two when it yeah. came to that process. A lot of opening about ideas and like, well, where should the bridge go? Well, let's just try it. Let's see what happens. It was very free flowing and allowing to, okay, when this is good and when we feel like this is the, this is where it needs to be and this is strong,
1: mm-hmm. cool,
0: that's it. That, that's what it needs to be. It yeah. was an, a, an awesome kind of flow between you two.
1: Thank you. I mean, yeah, I do think that it is. Uh, I I feel very grateful that Greg is not only my producer, but that he understands my writing so well and our skills mesh so well together. Like what he did in that bridge, I didn't even think about going there when I because I walked in with the verse melody and the and the first verse and the chorus already done. Right. But mm-hmm. my favorite part of the song is the bridge into the last chorus. And that would not have happened if I didn't let him experiment with that and to just to walk in with that trust of like wherever he's going to take it let's just see where it goes you know
0: but I think that's the wonderful thing about Mm co-writing it's sometimes you think you have a complete song or maybe you know some people think I've got the complete song or they have oh this is the strongest part it's my chorus it's my verse Mm -hmm. but that other person delivers something that it's like
1: that's that the it, that fi- that's that, that finish yeah.
0: it and to well, me that's mm-hmm. the that's the beauty
1: yeah i mean that goes back to when we were talking about etiquette and stuff even with the splits and everything like i mean that to me is a 50/50 split right there because that just changed my entire song and like <laughs> without that it wouldn't feel anywhere as powerful or as special to me so i mean i know back when i was in songwriting Class and stuff. It's like we would talk about how one word could change an entire song, genuinely. And it's like it's really hard to to try and split up a song that way because it really is such a joint effort to create it this weird. thing. Yeah,
0: it's weird to be like, yeah, you get twelve point four for one. Yeah, <laughs> and it's just like it's so really, messy and, it's just
1: like, yeah. it,
0: it is. It's messy on split sheets and just like okay. And then for publishing, you're gonna get. Mm-hmm. You know this this two po- just make it fifty fifty. it's just like yeah. everybody gets an even cut, and also too, then everybody feels invested in the song,
1: yeah,
0: like nobody's ever felt invested in something like you know, I was never invested into my you know the jobs I did <laughs> my yeah. my part time jobs because I was like, this is a temporary, this is nothing. I imagine that's how someone feels when they're like, you only get
1: points mm-hmm. just value <laughs> it's just value too, yeah like recognizing the other person's work and effort into everything i mean but I, I am really glad that you caught that series and it's been really cool to to hear from people who have watched it all and feel a part of it i mean that was also the first song i ever released <laughs> <laughs> you're like that was the first. that's <laughs> it, crazy i that. think
0: that's the first song that you released but it's such a a, a fantastic song and then the, everything around that you know mm. from you know the start that is Wild because I think of my first song and I was like, "Good mm-hmm. Lord, I wish you could just, luckily it's buried well, hey, somewhere. <laughs>
1: like there were many of songs before that song that I thought might've been the first one and people stopped me and I'm really glad they did. <laughs> so, I mean, it is crazy for me to think that I released my first song this year when I'm also telling you that I don't remember my life before music or writing. Because there was this whole gap that people don't see of of developing at all and writing so many songs, hundreds of songs before we get these few, you know, or we can pull those out of it and know which ones fully represent me and are telling my story as much as they can.
0: And it's also, it's an interesting story because I think that's the important part Mm -hmm. that it's not good stories, you know, it's a boring story if it's like, yeah, I picked up the guitar and I was great. And the first song I wrote, it was a hit
1: that's, mm-hmm. the first that's song really was
0: awful. yeah it is just like it's Somehow boring
1: it to college but it was awful
0: <laughs> but it's it's much better to hear like oh you know well i did this for a little bit i did this and you're never gonna believe i did gymnastics and i stopped and i sang nora <laughs> jones and here's what happened after this i was a goalie in <laughs> hockey too and then i went over it's just there's so many it it's yeah. it's just it's it's such a good story because it's yours i you know i probably quote you know Elizabeth Gilbert and Rob Bell more than anyone else, but like mm-hmm. Rob Bell goes, you know, who you aren't isn't interesting because like everyone's story is far more fascinating because it's not a straight and narrow path; it's this little twisty bend yeah. all over the place of different avenues to where they are
1: now. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, I think it's, that's the reality. That's human, you know. I'd way rather be believable, <laughs> and all polished, and to say, "Yeah, I've been." I think I was writing great (laughs) pop songs from the start. Completely honest, all of them. (laughs) Price, thanks for hanging out
0: with me. I really appreciate it. I love hearing your story.
1: Thank you. I appreciate it.
0: Was I not right? Super chill and easy to talk to, but most importantly, fantastic music. So if you don't follow her on Spotify, make sure you do that right now and check out that song that I had mentioned at the very beginning that I found her from in that Pure Mix series, Lucky Number. All right, songwriters, we need to have a super heart to heart conversation. The cowboy chords and that strung pattern that you've been reusing for the past 50 songs needs to stop. But don't worry, I'm not chastising you. I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I just wanna let you know that there's more out there. There are other voicings, there are other strumming patterns. And that's why I'm hosting a free five-day songwriting for guitar boot camp. We're gonna be getting you to stop thinking just like a songwriter, but a songwriting guitarist. To actually take control of your instrument. It shouldn't be the other way around. Start finishing those songs. Start tracking your guitar, demoing your work tapes. Start making money with your songs. If that all sounds amazing and one of the things you want to do in 2021, just go to songrangforguitar.com and claim your spot in the Songrang for Guitar Boot Camp. Everything kicks off February 15th.